Hey everybody and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host Alex Klein and today I have two very special guests on the podcast. I have my great friends Robert and Maya here to help me break down uh, the fifth episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier titled Truth. Robert, Maya, how you guys doing? Hey, I'm up, very, happy, very happy to be on the, the podcast. Yes, yeah, very happy to have you guys. Uh, I know, I mean, the I think the minute we were watching it from the beginning, it was like, we have to talk about this. There is so much to talk about. It was very hard to fall asleep that night. But uh, but yeah, no, and I know, I, I think combined, we probably are in the double digits now of view counts, thanks mostly to Maya. But uh, <laughs> I think that's going to give us a good perspective, though. I know there's been a lot of, uh, there's a lot in this episode. I think there's a lot to unpack. And I think it, it doesn't seem like it because the episode is very, uh, and I, I don't think super slow, but it's it's a slower paced episode. And I think that throws people off because there's a lot that happens in this episode. There's a lot of uh, kind of context uh, revelations that happen that make you go, oh, yeah, this is what the whole show is about. If you hadn't known what it was going to be about before. So uh, we'll we'll dive straight into this and, and just get started. For those of you out there who haven't seen this episode yet, uh, we are going to be going full spoilers. So feel free to pause and come back or just listen if you're feeling crazy. <clears throat> so. We'll just start with the very beginning of this, which I I thought was personally brilliant that they picked this up literally the minute that it left off of Walker running away from the scene of the crime and uh, running into the building to get he get, get some flashbacks of Lamar and and on a couple of other viewings you guys can correct me but it almost sounds like he's he's kind of starting to blame himself for Lamar's death at least that's what it seemed like in the beginning. Yeah, I, f- I felt like that like. I've, I've said this before. I think for all all of his uh, accolades, I think Lamar has been there the whole time. So now he's lost his his uh, his, his conscience. You know, yeah. I think I think L- Lamar was the dude that kept him on the straight and narrow, and now that guy's gone. Like even with, like when his his three his three medals of honor, Lamar is with there the whole time with him there the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was almost shocking just to see because it felt like. He was always like the well-intentioned guy with no sort of context or strategy on how he was moving in previous episodes. But as you like at the very end of the last episode, he just completely off his rails. And so with Lamar there, like you said, Rob, like he has no conscience. So now he's kind of like has this. It's just shocking to see how he's acting. He's about to kill Sam the same way he was going to kill. Yeah. He killed the man in the previous episode. Like he, if he had the opportunity he would have killed Sam. And it's just, he's completely, I don't want to say out of character because I feel like a lot of the stuff has been festering inside him for a while. And like the later scene at the the court hearing, we can talk about a little later, but I was really shocked at them just establishing him as just completely losing it at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think my favorite part of that, and it sounds bad, but I, I do love seeing people on camera lose their minds because I think it's something that, you don't necessarily get to witness a lot in your own life. I mean, you know, I, I'm sorry if you have had to witness something like that, but it's really hard to kind of watch somebody sort of spiral out of control. And so to see him and Wyatt Russell's performance of that, I just loved the scene where he's, like I said, he's getting these flashbacks and he starts like screaming and almost crying. And then he puts his shield down on the ground and like it almost looked like a like a comic book cover of him just like crouching with the shield. And I, I, I legitimately was like, 
feeling for this guy. I was like, man, it just, I can't imagine what he's going through having that super soldier serum in his veins. But then literally he's just like, time to go to work. And then he gets up and he immediately switches it off. And I was just like, this is not good. Like you're getting to see him like compartmentalize all this trauma, not deal with it and uh, just get crazier and crazier. Yeah, no, the whole like I am almost I almost yeah I am Captain America. America. It was almost like a an inversion of I am Iron Man. Yeah, exactly. And it was like he was clinging on. Like, what does that mean, though? Like, I am Captain America. Like, start with yourself before you're trying to attach to yourself to a symbol that is only as strong as the person behind it. Like Sam mentioned in the first episode. So it was you can tell. Just that he was just holding on to that title, which at this point is meaningless for him because he's not upholding the values um, of Steve Roger or just any sane person at this point. So, yeah, I thought that scene was very, very important, I feel like, for the series. Yeah. Um, yeah show his current mindset. Well, and, you know, Zemo talks about that, too, in one of the prior episodes when he's he's explaining the whole thing about idols and icons and he says you know you you lift somebody up so high that you start to forget their flaws and walker is a very good candidate for somebody who he's doing that to himself like now that he's become captain america he is captain america and he can't do anything wrong like he he can do no wrong even though he killed somebody it was completely justified like he's giving himself all of these reasons why he's flawless and it it's just literally proving zemo's point that you you get the supremacy mindset when you are you know you're in search of that serum you're seeing it live and in action right mm-hmm. and then we get uh we get again was not expecting this in like the first two minutes of the show but we get an insane fight with the three of them that uh gave me some real uh captain america civil war vibes with with them kind of going after each other but I just I love how the show is able to show so many different ways that uh, Falcon uses his wings. I thought that was super cool. Like when he did that that almost like a breakdance type slide around oh. with his wings and spun yeah. on his legs. Oh that yeah, when he was so cool. Uh, when Bucky, I'm trying to think of what, what there was something Bucky did that was. Oh, I just love when Bucky. He was like, "You guys don't want to do this," and Bucky's like, "Yeah, we do." And I was like, <laughs> "Yes, we do. Let's go." Uh, so that was great. What'd you guys think of the fight? It was good. It was just like, just their team up, just their natural chemistry just shines literally through everything. But that fight scene was really great. Um, I'm trying to recall, there is a a specific part of that. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I think in terms of just like the fighting, like seeing Sam fight in a certain way, that really stood out to me. But um, yeah, I I really enjoyed that scene and just how Bucky like left the, the shield next to Sam and walked away was really cool too just like a, a little reminder mm-hmm. it seems like they're doing like like they got sam doing like a capoeira style fighting like he's doing all them flips and kicks and whatnot yeah that's what it, that's what it seems like and he's using the montage right and he's using the 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 uh the bat the jet pack from his wings as like to help him boost yeah which is kind of cool i mean in a way he has he's turned that tool into a part of him as it's almost like his own behavior now to where somebody like uh, Bucky can jump really high. Sam can also jump really high. He just has to know that he needs to press that button at the right time, but then he can get the same jump. So it's like, he's basically a superhero at this point. He doesn't really need the serum, which obviously we already knew, but it's just kind of a cool reminder. And obviously 
great scene when they break his arm. I thought that was awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was obviously super brutal, but still, like, the fact that he had to propulse himself with the with his jetpack while Bucky is whole like, that, to me, tells, I don't know, is a lot. Like, I, I what did you guys think of John Walker, like, basically beating Bucky, though, when he, he like, throws Bucky into that pillar and it, and it sort of malfunctions his arm? What did you think about that? Because I, I was curious on like, so he's basically as powerful as Bucky now is kind of the way that I saw that was like he could take on Bucky by himself because the whole the whole series, it almost felt like Bucky was the, oh, you don't want to mess with him because he's super strong. He's going to beat you regardless. And I felt like that scene kind of showed, well, John could beat him now. Right. I think it was a good indicator to, because it's almost, I feel like it's very easy to forget that he had the super soldier serum. So like, giving us these like reminders like yeah he's way stronger now I think that's what really like him being able to beat Bucky really spoke to this new power set that he has um so that's what I took away from that but it it was still surprising to see his arm malfunction that way yeah no at least it got fixed I was like I swear to god if he this vibranium arm that Wakanda built for him gets malfunctioned by John Walker I'm done but like, okay, two minutes later, it's fine. Okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I think it's more more along the lines of his training. Like Walker, Walker is special forces. Like he's he's a ranger, infantryman. Like he's got more training than Bucky did when Bucky was in World War II. Like well, about Bucky, Bucky was a Bucky was a, well, yeah, but I think that was more programming than 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 yeah. you know like training or like natural natural ability. I think Walker's had more more combat training more special forces training than Bucky has but it, it, it takes the two of them to take him out that's that's just my opinion no I, I think you might have a point because I, I was thinking that during the fight I was like why isn't Bucky just ending this like he could kill and I and maybe that's the piece of it is th- there's always that argument of like it's very easy to kill somebody it's very hard to not kill somebody when you're fighting like for Bucky very hard for him to not kill somebody because he could just punch them and punch their head off if he wanted to. So I think you're right about that programming piece to where he he isn't trained to just immediately look for a kill shot now. He's trying to just wound somebody or to take them down sort of thing. That goes back to the first episode too. Like he's not trying to kill he's not trying to kill Walker. He's just trying to, you know, disable him. Yeah. So he's not he's not he's not fighting as uh unhinged, so to speak, as Walker is. Like Walker's trying to kill him. He's just trying to disable him and take the shield. So yep. that could be that could be another point too. Yeah, that's a great point. So, you, like you said, Robert, he uh, Bucky tosses the shield down to Sam, and we, we were talking before the episode it came out. But I just I love this scene where Sam is he's holding the shield and he's got this look in his eye, like he's just so disappointed. He's like got his hand on the shield, kind of rubbing the blood a little bit, and it just it's just this like how did this happen sort of thing? Like, I, I can't believe that this happened, but he's not, it, it, it just a testament to the show of like saying, uh, Anthony Mackie is not saying a single word, but he's saying so much just through that look that he gives as he's looking at the shield. And it's like, I almost, we kind of said like, that's the moment of, uh, when he realizes like, okay, I've got to start doing the work to become Captain America. Like it's time. Yeah. That scene was very, very powerful to me. Cause I remember right when I watched that and just, like seeing him frantically try to wipe the blood off the shield, it just, I mean, going back to the line later in the episode, like the shield has a complicated history and there's a lot of horrible things we find out about the legacy of Captain America and um, and just the fact that the shield was put into this guy's hands who 
has used it for something so horrible and just, you know, murdering an innocent person. Um, I think it was a great visual to, to, to really speak to that. And it's almost like Sam was kind of avoiding it up into this point where like not having the shield in his hands, trying to kind of create his own path and like not really take on the mantle, but it's like, now it's forced in his hands. It's bloody. So like, what are you going to do about it? Like, um, it's really bad because it hasn't been in your hands this whole time, but now it's in your hands and you can do something about it. So I really liked that scene and I thought it, it was just a great visual. Like you said, Alex, to summarize what the show is all about. Yeah. I, I got, I got something I just thought about. Oh, uh, piggybacking on Maya's point. It's it's like you said that the the history of the shield right now Sam's left to pick up the pieces and he's got to wipe the blood off. I think that's what the metaphor is. Like he he's left he's left all the stuff in his wake, right? And in, in, in the wake of the shield, and he's the one that's got to put everything right. He's got to clean off the blood. And he's got to make everything right. You see you see the extremes from the flag smashers, from Walker, from uh, from Isaiah, even from Steve and Bucky. So now Sam's holding the shield. Like okay, all, all, everything that's happened up to this point, like what you said. The history of that thing, he's the one that's left to clean it up and, and make it right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes back to the conversation we had had a couple episodes ago as well about we had just said, like, how, how is Sam going to become like, how are people going to get behind him sort of thing? And and we had talked about we said, like, Walker's going to do something that is going to be like public. And so people are he like Sam's going to have to step up and clean up that mess. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think you nailed it. Um, and then the next scene uh, from there, that's the that, and then the opening title shows up and it's I, I love that. It's like, damn, we just got all of that. And it's now the opening title. And also shout out to Marvel. This is now officially their longest TV show episode that they've ever done. Uh, still not long enough, in my opinion, but uh, it's <laughs> pretty damn long. Uh, but so we we then open up and we, we kind of learn a little bit more about the Flag Smashers. Now there's a kind of voiceover from Sam and he's, he's saying that they're they can't find Carly but they're getting all of Carly's followers. And I missed this in the first watch of Carly showing up at her home and everyone has been taken. And I, I was telling uh, Rob earlier, I had said like, I, I didn't get at the end of this episode why Carly just looked a little different. Like it felt like she was maybe like more confident or something. And I was like, did this get filmed before or after COVID? Like, was this a reshoot? But it's because I missed this scene and I was like, oh, that makes so much sense that she would be ready to go after she's like returned home and everybody that she loves is gone and they've all been taken so she says now it's it's time we're we're doing this like we're we're taking the fight to them which is really exciting and again i missed it but like to know that at the beginning of this episode and be like oh crap like when is this fight coming uh and so then the next scene though is is uh, with sam and joaquin and so he's they're kind of talking about that he leaves the shield on the table along with his wings and uh, I really liked this scene because obviously it's hinting at Joaquin becoming the next Falcon. But what did you guys think about this one? I I really liked it. Like you said, it, like just him, like, and I, I don't know if his wings were fixed at that point. I think they were still broken, but just yeah. like, it was just like passing it down, um, which I, I felt it was like, oh my, oh wow. They're, he's literally leaving the wings with him. 
well, is going to happen. The first episode <laughs> when he like he was working on Red Wing before Sam was like, "Give me that back." So you know that Joaquin could easily fix those wings, and he, I, I would not be surprised if he does fix those wings. I, I, I would hope that it's going to be in this last episode, but if not, then we are definitely going to see him again in some other show. Right. Yeah. And so it was just great to just see some of the like world building, I guess, just done in that just very short scene. Oh, yeah. um, great too to see like Sam being able to pass a legacy down to somebody else and it's his own legacy Falcon it's not necessarily all about Captain America it's you know something that's really personal to him too so I mean granted he probably didn't know that that you know that's what he was inherently going to be doing but just to know that that's being built um, and someone following in Sam's footsteps is really cool that's a great point, Robert. That's going to come up as we get closer to our uh, what I'm thinking now is our favorite scenes of the movie and regarding a certain uh, aquatic vehicle. But uh, just the fact that you know he 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 doesn't realize it, and and you're you're bringing this to me live now, Maya. But like his last line to him is he, angrily he says, "Keep it." Like he just leaves <laughs> and he's not thinking twice about it. But Imagine if he did know that, like with everything that he learns during this episode about legacy and about what he wants to keep, he probably mm-hmm. doesn't even, honestly, probably doesn't even remember that he gave the wings to Torres because he's got a lot on his mind in this scene. But to have, like, if, if there was a scene where Torres is like, hey, man, like, you passed this, le- I got to carry on your legacy, and he creates his own costume, but he's got the, like, I feel like that would give Sam some measure of peace of, like, I made a legacy that other people are carrying on. Like, that's so, that's so cool. Right. right. Also, this scene is great because we get uh, Joaquin calling out a great continuity error saying uh, to Bucky, hey, you got your, your sleeve fixed on your jacket. And uh, I love that because Bucky doesn't even respond. and <laughs> He just walks away. But I thought that was a great call because I was like, dang, so how many jackets does Bucky have, do you think? Probably like a million because he rips off <laughs> the sleeves. <laughs> Uh, but uh let's see what was the next scene from there is oh right we jump right into walker uh going to his hearing which is uh, in the context of this episode is a very big scene and uh it's i I love it it's all in slow motion as he walks up there and then we get to hear from the same guy who gave him the shield saying you know oh we don't want anything to do with you 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 messed up we're gonna pull your rank and and you're Basically, we're taking everything from you except your agency. Like, we're not going to put you in prison, but you no longer are associated with the military, all this stuff. And he gives that great speech about how, you know, oh, you built me. You you guys created me. I just did everything that you wanted. And, uh, and, and it brings up a really good point about who the, in my opinion, who the bad guy of this series is. I really think that it's, it's the GRC. And I, I've said that in prior episodes, but I, I think this episode solidifies that the true villain is society, society is, is the system in a sense. Yeah. Rob, uh, Rob and I were talking about that before the episode of just like, you think about it, every single character and especially every single character who is associated with Captain America all of them have been affected one way or another by this system. You've got Walker, who was created by it. Sam, who's working as a contractor, but he's got his own things he's dealing with. Steve, Bucky, uh, even Carly. Like, she's been affected by the GRC, and she was radicalized by them because of the way that they treated her. So it, it's fascinating to look at all of these people who aren't inherently evil. Like, they're all just normal people who have been affected by something and are making choices based off of that. And a lot of those choices are not good choices, right? Like they're bad choices, but that doesn't make them a terrible person. 
And so I, I, I just love that Marvel, Marvel is able to dive into that and show that because you could, this could easily, they could all be easily one dimensional villains. Carly could be an easy one dimensional villain, same with John Walker, but they're really taking the time to show you that, like what turns somebody into a bad person? Like what, what causes them to break? And I think the big piece of this, and, and I'll, I'll, Robert, I'll, I'll let you kick it off, but what was, uh, what's the, the, the big metaphor we were talking about for this, this series? Well, oh, the big metaphor for the series. Let, let me let me talk about this scene real quick. Um, yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Like, like you can see the 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 contrast between when he first gets introduced, when he's like at the damn stadium, and everybody's like they got the HBCU band and whoever the hell is out there celebrating them, right? And now now everybody's like cussing him out in slow mo, like we talked about. He's walking up to the uh, to his hearing. So it, it, I think at th- at this point he just feels betrayed. You know, like like okay, yeah, he's he's doing some some off the wall stuff or off the cuff but that's his training right you do whatever you can to get the job done he think he thinks he's doing the right thing nobody nobody in this show is inherently evil right they they think they're doing the right thing they think their cause is just you know like like what what Thanos said in Infinity War like you know you know what it's like to fail like to feel like you're doing you know to feel like you're so right i forget exactly what he says you know but to fail nonetheless like Thanos says in Infinity War yeah. The same thing with this guy. Like he 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 believed in a system. He got his military training, and and all of it's gone. You know, of course he messed up, but that's that's part of the training, right? Like like you 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 act on, you act on that violence. You act on that 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 brute force, and and that's what that's what's his undoing. You know. Yeah. So, but but the metaphor for the show, I think, is like, I think it's 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 what what you do when you get like punched in the mouth. Like how do you respond? You got mm-hmm. Isaiah. He he he's basically a recluse. He just took, you know, he 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 got it the worst in my opinion. So he he's just hiding out. He's just like, look, I don't want I don't want nothing to do with the world. I'm done with you guys, and and I'm just gonna live my life. You got that was Car- kind of by force though. You know, remember he's supposed yeah. to be dead, so he can't really reemerge into society. Right. But, right. Yeah, he, but still, he got it the worst. He got it the worst. But the the, the thing about mm-hmm. it is like, and then, and then you got Carly. Who who who's been you know kicked out like used like her people are used and been kicked out they like you're supposed to help us rebuild the world and now everybody's back okay we're done with you so she mm-hmm. she she's you know she she's mad and she she's radicalized now so so mm-hmm. everybody 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 in their own way in this show has gotten the raw deal of some form like Sam you know Sam at the beginning he's a freaking veteran he's a he's a hero. And his family has been in, you know, in the community for generations, and they can't even get an SBA loan from the bank that they've been with for years. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's dealing with that. His family's dealing with that. But it's just to me, this show is just basically like, how, how do you how do you rebound from 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 adversity? And people are doing it all kind of different ways. And Sam seeing that, Sam yeah. is seeing how, how you re, how you supposed to rebound, and 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 you know, come back better. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they don't, they don't talk about it in the show, obviously, because they weren't there. But it, it really all stems back to that scene outside of the movie theater in, in First Avenger with Captain America where he gets punched in the face and gets punched in the mouth and he gets back up. And then he gets hit again and he gets back up and he grabs the trash can lid and he gets hit again. And uh, the only person who knows about that, right, is Bucky. Uh, but it, it just really goes back to that whole idea of what happens when you get kicked. Like, and and yeah, my we were talking like Isaiah is the last person that we're going to be giving advice to about getting back up after being kicked because 
We right. said, you know, if you get picked, kicked a million times, it's probably okay to not get back up. You don't have to. Like, you can hide in your house. That's totally fine. <laughs> but for Sam, it was just, it's so good. And, and obviously, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but just so good for him to, and that's kind of part of this episode, is for him to get all of these different perspectives of what happened to these people when they got kicked. What happened to Isaiah? What did he, how did he react? How did, how did uh, John Walker react? How is Carly reacting? And so he's, mm-hmm. he's almost melting pot the whole the whole thing to kind of come up with his own version of that of what he wants and how he wants to respond to that i was gonna say like just before we move from the scene i i totally think like snaps that is definitely the metaphor um and and i think that there's also something to be said about like how people define like what a hero is or just like a heroism in general because like I was so reminded like when John Walker said he's like I dedicated myself to your mandates like talking about the government like the military mm-hmm. and it really mm-hmm. reminded me of that debate between Akoye and Nikia um, I know I always go back to that saving versus serving like is your heroism rooted in just serving someone where you don't have like this moral compass of you know, thinking about what is truly right, or is it something that you just follow authority figures um, and you're not really questioning anything for yourself? Like, we already heard him talk about his time in Afghanistan, so talking about all the questionable things they had to do there. Okay, well, now your questionable things are now in light. And so it's, it's just interesting to see how people are defining their heroism. Like, Sam, even though he knows that the Flag Smashers, like, as a mission was deemed as, you know, bad people, he's still being curious. He's trying to empathize. He's trying to understand the root cause of someone's motivations. And that's what makes him a hero rather than John Walker feeling like he's just following orders. So I think the the show does a really good job at exploring that because everyone thinks they're doing the right thing in a different way. And it's causing all this conflict, surprisingly. Maya, that's really funny that you bring that up. Uh, and I know <laughs> I don't talk about work often on on the podcast, but what you just mentioned is literally what I do for my job when I'm like uh, developing other people in in the business unit that I'm in of, of around problem solving. And mm-hmm. the, the, one of the big pieces of problem solving and figuring things out is uh, not jumping to conclusions versus uh, analyzing the root cause first, because mm-hmm. oftentimes when people think that they have a solution in mind, they try that solution out and it doesn't work. And then they're like, oh, well, why didn't this work? I thought it would. And it's like, well, you didn't understand why the problem was occurring in the first place. So you didn't like you didn't find out the reasons why. And it always makes me smile in these episodes when Sam does those things, like when he's talking with with Carly or when he's like he is always asking why. And it, it really is a strong indicator of, of a, a strong leader of somebody who is able to analyze that root cause and figure it out because a lot of times that solution jumping is because you don't want to do the work. Like he tells Bucky, like you don't want to find out why you just want to fix it. You just want to put a bandaid on it or deal with it later. And that's essentially John Walker. And so for him to take the time to understand why, and it goes back to that whole idea of like, he gets it. He knows who the real bad guy is. He gets that these people aren't inherently evil. They, they've got things that they can learn and, and learn from. And uh, yeah, so it's just, I, I thought that was really funny you mentioned that, but um, so yeah, so the, and then even in this scene, and we kind of we're not skipping over it, but uh, we get the wonderful Julia Louis Dreyfus 
as uh, as Madam Hydra. And obviously they don't call her Madam Hydra. And I don't even know if we should call her Madam Hydra because that's only one of her titles in the comics. I don't know a lot about her except that. And if I'm remembering it right, I think she becomes Madam Hydra very late in the game. And it's almost like a... Uh, you know, picking up the scraps of Hydra sort of thing. Like, I think it was like after Hydra fell, she's just super rich that she was able to kind of buy Hydra in a sense, like show up. Now she's the leader. She's the boss, which in a way is kind of cool. And I, I think I just I can't remember what story or what comic it was from. But her big thing was that she was in S.H.I.E.L.D. or was like a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And uh, interestingly enough, she looks just like her comic book character. So she's got the the little bit of color in her hair and all of that. I She seems like a perfect example of not jumping to conclusions of who she should be based on the comics. Because just based on that performance, she seems like she, Julia at least, is like creating this own character of hers. Like this seems like all Julia. And like, I, and I'm here for it. I think she, she was awesome. Right. I thought that was cool because it's like, it's very interesting to see someone, we see this in like just society in general, but basically like putting together like desperate people with powers. <laughs> like I remember the scene during the case and they say, you have no benefits, you have none of that. And they zoomed in on uh, John Walker's wife. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're leaving that court case like, wow, like how is he even going to make a living for himself? Like. Yeah. What's next? And so to be able to kind of, you know, walk into a situation of like vulnerability and like, oh, yeah, OK, you can be useful to me in some way and let me, you know, be available for my cause. I thought, like, wow, <laughs> that's that's really interesting. And I think just seeing that type of dynamic come into the MCU is is really cool. Do you what, think she's what a I- power broker? I don't know. I'm. I feel like I'm leaning towards the idea of Sharon because I feel like, you know, for her to go all the, you know, would she be the one who would, you know, make that, uh, make the house visit, if you, you know, if you will, to John Walker? I don't know. Who knows? I feel like it's either her, Sharon, or just an unnamed figure. I, I honestly have no idea. I, I thought that scene was interesting because, like, even after all that stuff, like you said, Maya, like, they zoomed in on his wife and he lost all his benefits and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're having their moment on the bench, and it's like she interrupted that. Like, she tried to mm-hmm. cut her off and try to get in there before his wife tries to talk some sense into him or try to, you know, try to reason with him. She jumps yeah. in there at that opportune moment and sits in between them. I think that's some symbolism right there, right? Like, her just saying, hey, y'all, y'all, y'all move over. Let me get in the middle of this. So she's yeah. trying to, like block his wife out and from talking sense into him now she's like hey like she tells him just like like you pointed it out too like people there's people out there that probably sympathize and i think she's just like she's like the embodiment of people who sympathize with that kind of work that kind of stuff you do (laughs) just for the sake of getting the job done Mm -hmm. so so like we didn't we didn't see it so much in the show like we didn't show like the the masses saying oh yeah john walker was right this one person was like yeah you know i would have killed a bastard myself and that's what she says so yeah. Mm-hmm. So she she nips that in the bud real quick and gets gets in his ear and says, "Hey, you know, we need you." Mm-hmm. And it, what you, you did was right. And even though it wasn't, he probably wanted to. You know, he probably accepted that from her instead of listening to reason again. So. Yeah. You know, I uh, I do I I've 
I feel like every episode I record is me doing a new theory on who the power broker is. But <laughs> I I do think it's her is my new my new theory because and here's why. So she knew that John Walker took the serum. And that's the, that's the big. I mean, she she reveals a couple things. Like, yeah, I, she knew that obviously that he killed him. I mean, you could maybe guess from the video, like, okay, he's pretty strong. But who are the, there's only a few people that know that he took the serum, which is, uh, well, S- Sam and uh, Sam assume would probably have told Bucky, but who else would they have told? Right, like they would have told Sharon because they told him to keep an eye out on him. And so I, I think it's setting up and, and again, I'll be happy to be wrong, but Sh- Sharon, I was thinking like she it could be the power broker, but we're not seeing enough of her. And Julia is the perfect sort of coming in out of left field to where we we know nothing about her, but she has so enough star power to be a big villain. And so mm-hmm. I could easily see Sharon working for her because she's like she's walking through the barriers in the last episode. No one's bothering her. I could easily have seen like a Sharon reaching out to Julia like, hey, woman to woman, I've been uh, like kicked out of you at the U.S. because of what I did in Civil War. Like, I need some help. And she'd be like, hey, yeah, you know, we need to stick together, but you're going to work for me now and do these things. And so she's selling the art, like all of the things that Sharon's doing all seems like something that a contessa would want to do sort of thing. Like she's a, she's a count in a sense. And so she's got a lot of money. Uh, and, and I, I kind of like the idea that a couple of ladies are running the entire sort of power broker organization. I think that's awesome. And all, not only that, but that, that is what the power broker did in the comics is they gave people powers through the super soldier serum, but at the same time, and you kind of saw it in like the, uh, uh, the Ant- Nick Spencer's Ant-Man run that was recent as well. They kind of modified the power broker, but it was like a hero for hire. So like you, the, the power broker would send like, hey, I need some help. They would send somebody who had the super soldier serum to do whatever job it was that was. So like kind of like hiring out supervillains. And so that basically sounds like what she told him. Like, hey, I know you've got the serum. When I call you, you better answer. She's going to call me and be like, hey, I've got a job for you. Like somebody needs... Kind of like what Sharon did with Batrock. I mean, obviously she got him out of prison, but it's the same situation. Like, hey, I need you to be at this point at this time to help these people. And that's kind of what she's doing. She's brokering power between people. So I wouldn't be surprised. And and then the other thing we need to remember, too, is there is not a lot of story left in the show. Like all that's left is for them to fight the Flag Smashers. And then and that's going to be a whole hour long episode. There's no way. Not only that, but. The show, the way that they just did this show, like it was immediate action right away. It took it took right after the last scene left off. So you would have to assume it's going to be the exact same in this. And if it isn't, that means it's going to be a flashback. Like it's either going to be whatever happens right next, which would be probably like. And I guess part of that is we, we saw. And we're, do we want to talk about the whole Sam thing at the very end, or should we just save this until the very end? What, what's we should that? Experience the, yeah, the, the, I, okay. I won't dive into it. I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> what happens at the end of this episode, the assumption would be at the very beginning of the next episode, we get to see that. But right. when you think about it from a film context, that's not good storytelling. Like, you can't just open up the episode with Sam in his new costume. That just doesn't make sense. So, right. you, 
it's going to be something with the GRC and the the Flag Smashers. That'll be the beginning. Sam's going to show up, and so will Bucky, whatever. And then there's the fight. But you can't do that for a whole hour. So I bet you there's going to be some stuff in the episode about about uh, Contessa with Sharon, about John Walker, like all of that. I think that's going to come to a head from a separate storyline now. Yeah, for sure. I Actually, Alex, you, I think you may have me convinced on that she's the power broker. Yeah. Um, because I mean, I hate to say it, but she's got the shoes. Like, for the, writers, it, that's for sure. the writers have only been writing peon behavior for Sharon. I hate to say it, yeah, like no, it really does seem like, like it. Yeah. Like, she's like um, order taker, you know. And it's like yeah. for it just makes sense. Like, okay, she just found like taking orders from one organization or group to someone else, and um, I mean, it, it just makes sense, like you said, and. Yeah, and I, I think she has so much star power and so much presence that it I can see her just being, yeah, that makes more sense. I was, yeah. like, waiting for, like, that bigger role for Sharon, but, hey, it might not come. Like, you know, she more so could be more of, like, the supporting role to whoever is kind of, like, holding all the power, so. But that's a when great it, place to be, right? Like, uh, yeah. for her as a character is, like, Sharon, what are you doing with your life? Like you, you've gone from being the gopher for one person to now mm-hmm. being the gopher for another person. Like, is that the kind of life you're trying to live to just be this peon for people? And so that, and that would be a really cool, maybe she should get her own Disney plus show. And we just explore <laughs> that. Like, what does it mean to serve others in that regard? Uh, yeah, no, uh, what were you going to say, Robert? No, I was saying that she, you know, uh, uh, Val is from uh, Madripoor too. So oh, for sure. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, at all. I, I mean, it, so. it, I wouldn't be surprised. But again, you know, my question would be, and I guess it's not that hard to explain. But like, what's she doing there? Like, how did she know? But it's like, if she's the power broker, she would know that John Walker is going to be there that day. She, who knows? Maybe she had other business in the government to deal with that day too, because she's got to talk to the 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 president or whoever it is at her level that she's dealing with. But. I still don't get. What do you guys think of the card that she gives? I was not impressed by that. The black. It's like one side is black, one side is white. I mean, is there a metaphor there that I'm missing? I, I figured that would have been the reveal. Is they like? She's like, well, wait. On the other side, in the in the tiniest print, like in the movie, in the Santa Claus, like on the corner of the print, it just says, "I am the power broker." Like that's what I, I was thinking. Like Incredibles. Remember Mirage's little card? Oh yeah. That, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same like, thing. Like, so what, like, what's the point of having just a black and white card? Like that doesn't make sense. I don't know, but uh, as far as her being there, we got to remember if they're trying to eliminate the flag smashers, who's the only other person that has the serum? It's Walker. Yeah, right. that's true. And so because then they, why? They, why is she they, trying they to eliminate the flag smashers? Well, they got to eliminate them, right? But you, you got you have a test oh, subject yeah. who still has the serum because they don't know that Isaiah is alive, right? They. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. assuming they don't know Isaiah's alive. So how are you going to replicate more serum? Yeah. And get out of the water, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, and so then after that scene ends, that's actually the next scene we get is when Carly is back home and she sees that everyone's gone. And I, I, I want to point something out. I don't know if you guys noticed this. I did not like Dovich's hair. It was, did you notice this at all, Maya? You saw it five times. Uh, like, <laughs> it looked like it had been uh, crimped, 
but it was like a very light crimping. Like yeah, his hair was very straight, but it looked very weight. I was like, did he yeah, just get his hair bad. done before coming back home yeah, to Carly? Like braids, and then they just took him out. Like that's like the crimp look when you take out braids. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was yeah, I was very surprised. I'm like, did they really crimp or braid this man's hair? Take it, it, looked, it, just, it looked like whatever it was that he'd gotten some work done very recently and i was like dude you it seems like you're on the run man like who would have taken you in to do your hair that's crazy but uh but yeah so they go and then the next scene we get the great scene in sokovia with uh uh yeah. with baron baron i was gonna say baron strucker baron zemo uh i thought this was cool i really liked this scene especially for bucky what uh what were your guys thoughts on it I loved it. I I couldn't help but feel like, damn, Bucky, like you're going to convince him that you're about to shoot him in the head. Like you kind of seem a little out of character for him, especially since this guy has been helping you through this whole entire thing. You know, good and well, the Dora Milaje, you went like, kind of like want to take over. So I'm like, I thought it was pretty harsh, but I think it was like a good scene overall. I guess it ended up working, but I I really liked it. I love the conversation he has um with io um i'm and then just with like zemo just how compliant he was it, in the previous episodes i almost thought like maybe he's kind of gonna have like some sort of plan to get out or you know he's gonna escape by the end of the series to have like his own free will but just how compliant he was just really just honed in on the idea that really he has one mission and that is to make sure the world is not overtaken by super soldiers. And so, like, I guess outside of that, he is a very, I guess, tempered guy. I, I don't know, but I, I was shocked at how compliant he was. I, I think that's just more like what we talked about at the beginning. Like, what do you do when you get punched in the mouth? And for him, that was him losing his family because he, he was he was special forces also. He was a military guy. And uh, I think I think just like showing Bucky in this scene with the, with the gun and you know with the empty with the empty clip is just his progression like you know he he was a, he was a kill first type of dude when he was programmed as a winter soldier and now he's trying to show Zemo like hey that's not me anymore cuz Zemo's telling him you know what needs to be done like he he's telling him basically you have to kill him and i i think that's like bucky showing like that's not me anymore like yeah that was me that was me before like, that's that's what i'm programmed to do like assassinate but him him you know pulling the trigger and nothing happens and he's got the you know the bullets in his other hand that's showing hey i'm not that dude anymore i'm not a killer i'm just here to you know he could have killed him right but he just he was just there to pick him up and have him serve his time like he, he he's not that dude anymore he's not a killer yeah that was the uh that was exactly what i took from it as well and i think part of that goes into and that, i loved this scene and i think part of that is just because i love daniel Bruhl. i think he just is he's probably my favorite one of my favorite characters to come out of the show obviously i liked him beforehand but just the, the character work and so yeah i mean you think about it all he knows of bucky is the winter soldier like that his mission was to get bucky like to get him to kill the avengers or to kill the whatever he was controlling bucky and so yeah this was bucky essentially making amends with zemo to say hey i'm not this anymore like this isn't me anymore and now you know like i could have killed you and i didn't and that's why he says and i loved it i, t I took the liberty of uh, scratching my name off of your list and I, I bear no ill will towards you going forward. And I was just like, hell yeah. And I think, and, and Rob and I talked about this before the show started, but this is him getting put into the Thunderbolts. Because uh, if you remember, 
and and uh, obviously the Thunderbolts. And I, I didn't read the or ever read the origins of the Thunderbolts. I read them starting in Civil War, which is when Zemo was actually leading the Thunderbolts. But I'm pretty sure comics wise too, they're based off of Thunderbolt Ross. That's why they're called the Thunderbolts. And if they're not, it makes perfect sense for the MCU though, because Thunderbolt Ross runs the raft, and so that's where they're taking Zemo. And so he is going to be the first prisoner. Well, I mean, he's not the first prisoner there, right? There's presumably hundreds of people, super villains that are in the raft. And uh, you could easily have another show or something where he decides to pick a couple of them to take time off their sentences or whatever if they help them out. And Zemo would be a perfect choice because he really isn't that much of a villain. He's just an angry, like he was an angry guy lashing out. He got punched in the teeth and he reacted accordingly. And uh, so he, I don't know, I would love to see him as a leader of the Thunderbolts for sure. I didn't realize, so I just assumed that the raft was someplace in Wakanda where the Wakandans kept oh, like no. prisoners. I didn't know it was like a separate place. Yeah, that... Maya, that's that's at the end of Civil War when, uh, do you remember when they took, uh, where was it? Uh, Iron Man was with Ross in the chopper and they flew to that prison that was in the ocean. Oh. Oh, yes. That, okay. Goes in there and takes the tour, and then at the end, that's when Captain America, um, uh, Captain America broke out and all of that stuff. So yeah, that's where that's where he's getting taken. Mm-hmm. I mean, what were you about to say, Alex? Uh, no, I was going to say the the other thing that I think I kind of I, I liked about this scene too was, and I don't remember who who said it if it was on whatever it was on. But someone was like, I can't believe that, you know, Bucky blew it with uh, with Io and with Wakanda in the last episode of like him fighting the Wakandans. And, you know, oh, uh, she says something to him in Wakanda and it's all over. Like he's never going to be able to go back and all of this. And I, I never took it as that. Obviously, we talked about it that he isn't saying she isn't saying something in Wakanda. She's just saying, boss, damn you. Uh, and again, you know, all these heroes hate each other at one moment or another. But this scene really solidified that idea that like they're 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 still friends. Like they they really are still friends. That she she doesn't say never come back to Wakanda. She just says, hey, you need to lay low for a little while. Which to me says you're still welcome to come back. Just don't do it right now. Like give it a couple months. And then even more so, I loved that he's like, hey, I'm gonna need another favor from you. And I was like, if they didn't have a good relationship, he would never have asked that. Like I need a second favor from Wakanda. And right. and we totally get that favor too, which I thought was awesome. But no, <laughs> I just thought this scene was so short, but it had so much in it. I thought it was great. It's just the fact that he's like, he's able to ask this. Of, I don't know we're gonna get into I, it later. To make the ask, I was like, yes! And I'm like, <laughs> just to know that he would be getting, like, a suit from, like, made in Wakanda just just made me so giddy. I'm so excited. So the next scene on here is, uh, is uh, Bucky. I hate, I always mess up their names, but it's Sam is in Baltimore, and he's back in Baltimore uh, and I, I mean, even just when it showed up that it was Baltimore, I was like, yes, 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 here it comes. We're going to get it. And we get the great conversation between him and Isaiah. And I think this is, uh, this is like the crux of the, sh- of the episode and, and all, arguably the crux of the show. But, uh, in Maya, we, we had talked too that like this, there's some people, I don't know who it was, but someone had said like, there's too much going on. And uh, there's too many storylines and all of this. And I, I keep trying to remind people that, like, 
you know, we, we all we always assume the Marvel movies they're one big TV show, right? Like each movie is it's con- is contained, but then it carries on to another TV show. These are no different. So if you want to think of this series as six episodes, fine. But you could also think of it as six movies. And so this last movie that we just watched ended with an insane cliffhanger. And this this movie that we are watching, this one, this is Sam's origin story. This this entire episode is how Sam becomes Captain America. We are like whether whether we see him in the costume or not at the end, the end of the episode, he's Captain America. Like you, right. you get the beginning piece of him fighting for the shield. Uh, but then also you see him looking at the shield and realizing I've got to do the work now. I've got to do this. And then this is the second portion of the movie where he meets the mentor and uh, especially the mentor who said, you shouldn't do this. And again, instead of just scoffing it off and leaving, he does what Sam does brilliantly, which is he asks why. And I loved this because multiple times, and he does it so sincerely, he's like, man, I just don't get it. Like, I, I don't understand. And he says it in such a way that you see Isaiah's, uh, his kind of front fall where, you know, in the last episode, he doesn't want to talk at all. And he's like, get the hell out of my house. Whereas now... He's seeing the sincerity in Sam and is willing to kind of share this story with him. So I just, I loved this scene. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, this this scene probably is like definitely like maybe like like a top two MCU scene. Like I just, just such an emotional scene. And I remember like I was, I was talking to um, some people on the Discord about it, like the idea that this conversation really just is like hope versus hopelessness. I mean, granted, like they said his wife, like he couldn't even see his wife. Like there's everything was like built, everything done to Isaiah was just horrific. And they said- They told him that, they told her that he had died. He had died. That's what it was. And it's just like, they erased it. They said they, they erased me, they erased his history. And so, like, when you get him interacting with Sam, it's like, you know, he's, his life experience made him see so much. And it's like when Sam, he's, he, didn't, he has the privilege of not having the same history as Isaiah, but mm-hmm. he, that, that privilege in itself is allowing him to see, you know, helping him see far beyond, like, what could be, you know. He walks in after seeing Isaiah's grandson, like, you know, recognizing there's more, like, black men in, like, who could be looking up to him. So it's like, I felt like Sam represent hope. Isaiah had this, like, very just profound hopelessness, but it made sense. But I think that's just progress in general. Things that just were very hopeless, like, you give it time and you have people who are, like, opening doors and who can take on, like, you know, these new mantles of progress to, like, help Sam, like, take on that for himself. Um, But, I mean, I was, I was just so shook by it. Like, I had, the conversation was so great. um, And I just, like, the intergenerational trauma, too, like, you know, that was his experience. um, But now it's, like, kind of left in Sam's hands. So I'm happy Sam didn't leave that conversation saying, like, oh, he's right, but to be able to challenge, like, you know, in his eyes, probably an elder, an ancestor, like, you're able to now kind of take that and use it as motivation and reclaim that narrative. 
So, I, I mean, this scene was so powerful in so many ways. Um, and there's another thing I'll say, but I'll, I'll talk about it a little later. Oh, uh, yeah, you're making a good point. It's like, you know, Sam sand on his shoulders, like you saying, like the, that, that, that historical trauma. I, like, I think it's more of Sam's like taking, taking all these pieces together and putting them together and saying, this is why I should take up the mantle. And, you know, like, like for his, uh, uh, Isaiah's grandson and his nephews, like Sam, Sam, so Sam was robbed of a, of an icon or somebody to look up to because, mm-hmm. you know, you see how he reacted in, in that episode when Bucky told him who he was, when he found out about him, Sam was robbed of, of somebody to look up to that's like him. Now, now yeah. Sam's taking it upon himself for his nephews, for Isaiah's grandson. Like I got to take up the mantle, no matter how you feel. And you're right. You're right to feel that way because it's a sign of the times back then it was easy to, to do stuff like that, to, to, to put a guy in jail, like, like the, the parallel between what he did and what Steve did is the same thing, right? He, yep. he, he went behind enemy lines. He disobeyed orders to go save his unit and look mm-hmm. what happened to Isaiah as opposed to what happened to, to Steve. Steve, yeah. Steve was in freaking you know, the, 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 the films that, you know, they used to send back home in the forties, like, you know, what's, what's happening on the war front. And all that stuff, and he was applauded, and 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 everybody looked up to him. And this guy, like like you said, Maya, they they erased his history, and all he was doing was the right thing. Mm. So it it's 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 amazing the uh, the parallels you see from from like you know from uh, First Avenger and Winter Soldier in this series. Mm-hmm. And that that that's one of them, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, I mean, and and kudos to this show. Obviously, we've gotten some really great like shots, like in the last episode of oh, that's a straight up shot from First Avenger. But there are so many things in here that are literal Easter eggs. To where if you aren't paying attention, like many people probably never realize that, like oh, that's the exact same thing Steve did. But they're able to write this th- that way to have it be a perfect callback. So yeah, you nailed it. And I, I forgot to mention too, I loved how when Sam's walking down the street before he gets to the house and he just stops outside the house and takes that really big breath before he walks up. Like I just, you know, and, and speaking as someone who like doing a lot of presentations and whatnot, like I love speaking with people and like talking with people like that, but it really is taxing. And so to kind of see him be that, like he is this, super powered counselor but it's like you see you're getting to see the the buildup of that like he's not perfect he has to mentally prepare himself before he walks up to talk to him because he knows like he has no idea what's going to be what's going to happen but he knows it's going to be a powerful conversation so he's got to like mentally prepare himself um the other i I want to add too like and even though like sam is i think this point he can very much see forward like see past um, and like see like focus on a very hopeful future you can't you can't actually work towards a better future without knowing your history yeah. so even though it's very painful even though it's probably a conversation that will probably haunt him for a very long time like him being able to ground himself in that history is so important and and something that I also wish like and I know we talked about it um, before when we watched the episode together like the, the whole line of, like, leave me dead, my name is be- buried. Yeah. I want to see Isaiah, like, not have to be living in the shadows anymore. I want him to be recognized. I want him to be celebrated. I want him to be in the museum. I want everybody to know about him. And I want him to not feel like he has to hide away from his country. So, like, I don't, I feel like the, the show would do a major disservice to him as a character 
if it's like, oh, you know, his legacy was known, but he's not able to be like fully experience, you know, that freedom, like being able to not have to act like you're dead. So that's just something that's on like number one on my wish list because yeah. <laughs> really I, was, I, able to bring some like some celebration to his name and his legacy. I'm a hundred percent behind you with that because I, I don't I don't like get mad when stuff that I speculate about or wish it would come on the, on these shows or movies doesn't happen. But that that one right there, I, I really hope that they do that because that's that's on the money. Yeah, uh, my my money would be that I, I I think I don't even think it's speculation. I think this it's it's probably guaranteed that by the end of this episode we will at least see an updated Smithsonian exhibit that has a bunch of Isaiah Bradley stuff in it. My question would be whether or not they're going to go public with him. But I I would that that's only because I don't know how. Like we had talked about, you know, he wants to stay dead and he's nervous people would kill him, which is a very valid reason. But if anybody, especially after whatever happens in this, we all know Sam and Bucky, they're going to save the day somehow. And and the hope is by the end of that, that the world recognizes he's our Captain America. And so I would think if mm -hmm. anyone can pull that off, it would be Sam to say, like, right. in full costume, like, hey, come on up here, Isaiah, like, or, or whatever it is, talks with the government officials and they give him like a a retroactive medal or whatever kind of crap it is that they try to make it seem like they, it wasn't their fault. But whatever it is, I would love I would love that. Maya. I, I would cry, especially if and this is the ultimate of the speculation list is we see a scene with him and Steve of like. Steve, it doesn't even have to be long of just him being like, hi, or like, whatever it is, that that whole legacy aspect, too, would be really cool. But yeah, I mean, it, we at least need to have a Smithsonian exhibit and, and have at least half of that exhibit be all about Isaiah, because he, I mean, God, yes, yeah, amen. Um, the other piece, too, that I thought was interesting here uh, was when he's explaining to Sam and I, I bring this up because, I, and I, I told Rob about this too, Maya, but I was looking at the IMDb reviews for the show. And I'm sure, no, no surprises, that the show is not well received uh, in, in, in perspective. It's, it's 7.5 is where it's sitting, which, again, totally fine. But when you dive into the actual reviews, we're getting a lot of similar reviews that you would see in Black Panther, Captain Marvel, uh, the the people who i don't know if they're bots or what but a lot of very one stars that say this show is too heavy-handed there's uh there's too much talk about race all that sort of stuff and and this i think is a really good point to bring up because uh he taught isaiah talks about he says uh he's talking about steve or he's talking about the idea of captain america and he talks about the blonde hair the blue eyes the stars and stripes and he says that the people are just wanting that great white hope. And uh, I just, I, I, I heard that, like, as I was watching it, I'm thinking, I could see people listening to this and going, man, that's like, that's just too much. That's too much for me to deal with sort of thing. And, and it's interesting because it's the exact same thing that Zemo says two episodes ago when he says people just want an idol that they can look up to. The only difference is that Zemo is a white European and Isaiah is a black American, except they're saying the exact same thing, but people could very easily kind of get mad at that piece. I don't know. I just thought that that was really interesting that he's basically passing on the same knowledge to Sam that Zemo was. It's just coming from a completely different perspective. So I, th I thought that was super cool. For sure. Uh, so let's yeah. see. 
Oh, go ahead, Robert. No, it's just you know, I've 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 seen stuff like that too, and like a lot of people just want to like escape and and use right. the stuff as escape, but you. you I don't know, man. There's something to take away from it. If you're if you're uncomfortable with this, that you know that your problem. That's not. Yeah, you got like you got to do show. the work to figure out why. Because just like Maya, you hit the nail on the head. Like you can't you can't move forward without understanding where you've been. And that was the other piece I was going to touch on as well. Is when John's sitting on the bench talking with his wife, he says they have no idea what it takes to be Captain America, and I like. Dude, you have no idea what it takes to be Captain America. Like, Sam is doing the work right now to figure that out. Like, he is going to talk to Isaiah to figure out, like, what does it take to become Captain America? Like, what what part is going on here and there? So I, I just thought that was a cool parallel as well, that, like, Sam actually wants to figure out what it means. Whereas John just assumes that it's, oh, it's whatever I make it. Like, it's it's my thing, and people don't get it, but... Yeah, and now now we dive into the into our favorite part, Robert, the boat. Uh, so yeah, the next scene. Uh, so Sam he he calls his sister. He says, "I'm coming home," and uh, we get again, Maya, just as as if it would in this movie. Uh, the hero has developed his powers. He realizes who he is. He's gotten his talk from his mentor, uh, and it's not in, in perspective. It's a tough conversation. So what happens after you have that? You go back to your roots. You go back home. You, you take a beat, and mm. you practice your skills, and you get the montage of all of that. So I thought, I, I loved this whole piece. I, I thought it was great. I mm-hmm. I remember saying I wasn't a huge fan of it in the first episode, and I think part of that was because I just wanted to see some fights. But now I'm super grateful that we got to see this in the first episode for it to be carried back now. And so we had talked about how this whole boat that he's working on and that the family is working on. That is the metaphor, one of the big, big metaphors for the show and metaphor more so around kind of around the legacy of Captain America and also the the legacy of the shield itself. And uh, also obviously Sam's legacy, but just, just a fascinating piece of, uh, and we'll dive into it because there's a lot to dive into, but talk to me about this guys. What, what, uh, what'd you like about it? Yeah, I I liked it um, a lot. And I remember in the first episode, I um, going to cash in a receipt here. I'm like, I really want, yes. <laughs> I really want the community to be the ones uplifting. Like, I don't want it, the solution to be like, oh, another bank was able to like the community was able to lift them up, and just to be able to see the community rally, like help um, get this boat fixed, it just just says a lot. Especially coming after that conversation with Isaiah. Um, I thought it was really great. Um, and just seeing him, like, like just time as a net, like, with his nephews, time with his sister. Like, for to be a hero, you don't have to separate him from his roots. Like, it's him being so connected with his family, with his community, is what makes him a great hero, just a great person. So I just loved the, I just loved the scene. And eventually we get Bucky to, like, come and join him and be able to, like, kind of, step into Sam's world, I think was really critical for Bucky to see. Um, but I, man, I just, I just, I really love all the scenes when he's back home in New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, I, I look, every, everybody takes something away from, from the show. And for me personally, I use the boat as a metaphor for like when people get disenfranchised for whatever reasons, be it COVID Katrina, whatever, you know, there's always, there's always people that are going to get hurt 
in these kind of scenarios, like a blip or a snap, people people get, you know, down on their luck, and and they're no different, right? So, I'm looking mm-hmm. at this boat like you know, like you what you said, Maya is perfect. Like getting the community to help, and I wish more people would do that. Like you know, when when everybody somebody's down on their luck, we all band together to help out, and stop looking to a bank or 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 the system to help, because mm-hmm. the system is set up to 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 capitalize on people that are down on their luck just like they did in new orleans like when 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 them people didn't come back home they come in there and take their property legacies are lost freaking from 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 you know gentrification uh uh eminent domain you know stuff like this so it is important that they they fought and they they're they're deciding to keep the boat because that's family history there's so many people of color in this country that lose that 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 history that lose that 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 uh generational wealth so to speak mm-hmm. because because in, in an instant stuff is lost because you know we, we have to band together and that's for every anybody it don't have to be a black thing or a white thing or anything it's just like if somebody's down on their luck you know like you, mm-hmm. you try to help them keep their history keep their legacy and and that to me that's that's what this boat is this boat is is them fighting to keep their family history and then a lot of that has been lost over the years because people aren't willing to help people aren't people aren't willing to ask for help people mm-hmm. aren't willing to band together as, as a community they think they're on their own they think they have to do everything themselves and mm-hmm. you know you made a really good call out in the first episode so i'm glad that i'm glad it went that way so community uh, is currency <laughs> Ooh, there you go yeah <laughs> I love that it's it, it comes from Sam witnessing his sister. I, I think that was such a big piece of it too. Because and and I loved, I, and we're we're obviously diving into it, but I just love the emotional vulnerability that both him and Bucky display in this episode. Because uh, there's always just the easy opportunity to where you know, oh, a tough man doesn't ever talk about how he's feeling, sort of thing. And so we get some great conversations between them. And Sam talks about later when he says. You know, I, I wanted to leave because I wanted to be that guy that would prove people wrong. Like I wanted to save people so that they could see that I could that I'm a hero. And and all, all of that is valid and great. But he's like, I get that you thought that I was running away. And so Sam's really feels like this kind of guy who he he knows his legacy. He knows who he is in a sense. But he's very disassociated with his family's legacy, at least at the beginning of the show. And so he's coming back and kind of slowly realizing it. But when I I feel it's like that's when it clicks for him is he sees his sister making these lunches for other people. And he's like, oh, do you think like there's some people that probably oh, it's like that. That's when it clicks. And it's like it's so cool to see that, you know, he left much like a lot of people do when they're in the military too. You know, he, he left his family, but his family carried on without him. Like they carried on those legacy pieces from their parents. So it's like, in a way, his sister kind of saved the day because she, she carried on that legacy all the time that Sam was gone. Mm-hmm. Which uh, yeah is, is just, just awesome. I love that. And I loved Bucky showing up too. Cause in that scene, when they brought the giant thing, I was like, how are they going to get that off? And it just lifted up. I was like, oh, did they grab a crane or something? And I was like, oh, it's Bucky. Let's go. So that was that was awesome, especially after him being so anti, uh, anti being friends. 
And yeah. uh, he did it so naturally, too. Like, there was never, Sam never teased him about, like, oh, now you want to be friends sort of thing. Like, it just right. organically became so. And I loved his, he, he was such a prankster. Like, he he comes in, drops the, the box on the back uh, of the truck and says, uh, I'm just here to do a delivery real quick. If you can sign this, I'll get out of your hair. And I was like, wait, Bucky, no, don't go. But he, he never I, I, says I think... it as a joke. Like, he just says it. And Sam's like, you want want to help out? And he's like, oh, no, it's, he doesn't even ask him. He just sees the pipe going. And, and Bucky's like, no, no, come here. I'll help you out. And he's like, you want to stick around? He's like, yeah, sure, why not? And so I just, I love that it was like, at any minute, Bucky could have left. But he yeah. never does. And he just keeps sticking around. There's There's like three bits of that. There's that bit. There's the bit at the end when he's like, ah, well, you know, I've got a, I've got a hotel I'm going to go do. He's like, well, no, man, you're going to stay here. And then it all kind of culminates in that last piece that I eat on the second viewing. I loved even more is when uh, when they do their little hand hand. I don't know what you call it. The cool, cool guy hand grab. Yeah. After they're yeah. throwing the shield and they hold hands for a while. And I just loved that. They've got like physical touch. They're making eye contact. And he says, if you need me. He just says, give me a call and I'll be there. And I was just like, sealed the deal. They are best friends now. Like, they're not admitting that they are, but they are. Like, just was awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, I think they, yeah, I think Sam was still a little, little salty, man. Like, every time you see Bucky doing something, kind of give him that look. And then, that, like, that like that unspoken word of him, like, hitting on his sister. He's like, all right, man, chill out. You know? <laughs> that was hilarious. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. And she was I'm like, Bucky. <laughs> She was so giddy too. I'm like, it would have definitely oh, been me if I was Sam's sister. <laughs> and, and, and again, it but, just uh, goes back to the 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 acting of like, there's never a close up shot of his sister getting blushed, but you can see her in the background getting blushed, and it's like, so it's like you got to have a, a a quick eye to notice those things, and it's so cool. She's just like, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them go on a date. So I don't think <laughs> I don't think uh, Falcon would be happy about that. Right, and. About to say, um, oh, Branch Brook lost it. <laughs> I know. He, uh, I'll go over some of the other cool bits on the boat. He, uh, he says, or after he does the pipe fix, Sam says, Why didn't you just use your arm? And he said, You know, I, I don't actually think about it right away because I'm right handed. I, I love that line. <laughs> and then, uh, when he's like messing with the side of the boat and Bucky just rips the whole thing off with his arm, that was also mm -hmm. awesome. I thought it was great. Oh, I remember. Um, yes. So I remember like our, our friend David. He um, made a really good point about this show being a great showcase of positive masculinity. Yes. Like, yes. always hear about toxic masculinity, and just especially in media that just, um, like, it just showcases that a lot, but just showing very healthy, natural, like, um, like relationship between two men where it's not, like, like, it's very comforting, it's assuring, it's... It's just great to see it on screen, like being up, like forthcoming about our emotions, being there to support each other. Like, it's beautiful. I loved it. Loved yeah, it it so feels much. so good, especially after. And it's it's funny, you don't notice it right away, but it's like we, we have been fed so many movies and TV shows where that's the norm. And so mm -hmm. it, when you see it and, it and it gets frustrating because you're like, dude, if you just told him, like, you skipped 20 minutes of this film, like we, we'd get to. You're, you're doing something unnecessarily. And it's like, this reflects a lot more of real life of like, yeah, people just talk about it. And it's not that big a deal. Like I loved the, uh, 
the acknowledgement that he has with Bucky when he apologizes to him for him and Steve not realizing what it would mean to give uh, to give a black man the shield. Mm-hmm. And I, as I was watching it the second time, too, I was like, you know, that's almost a message to those people that see those scenes and feel uncomfortable with them of like, Bucky, he literally took care of that awkwardness, that uncomfortableness in one sentence. Like, mm-hmm. all you need to do is say, oh, like, if, if you say something that is, you know, maybe misconstrued as being racist or whatever in, in your regular day, you all you got to do is catch it and be like, oh, like, I'm so sorry. I didn't even realize it. And then he moves on. He's like, thank you and moves on. And that's it. Like, I, I hoped people kind of saw that to go, oh, it's actually not that hard to admit that you, you know, said the wrong thing or that you are thinking the wrong thing. Like, it's OK to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, I really love the scene where Bucky was able to see his nephews play with the shield. Like, yes. wow, like this is this is more than what I am. I'm realizing this means a lot more for Sam or just in a different way to Sam than it does for, you know, him and Steve. So I thought that was really good. Yeah, it was saw, funny, too, though, that saw, his initial reaction was like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> see, there's another parallel, right? Like at the end of uh, uh, First Avenger, you see the kids playing with the with the, you know, pretending that they're Captain America and, you know, not for nothing, but it's a white kid at the end. Like he's, he's Captain America. Now you see Sam's nephews playing with the shield and it's not, it's not such a, a a foreign thing. Right. It's it's not a big deal. It's right there. I love that bit too, though, where like they're skilled little fighters. Like he's like, Hey, get out of there. And the kid just whips it right. I was like, I would have messed up. I'd have tried to put it in the bag. It would hit the wall and mess up the wall. Mom would have killed me. And then they just run off. Like I just, I thought that was great, but he does. He's got that great look in his eye where he's just kind of, it almost felt like in a way that he was at peace. Like he, he's seeing it and he's just like happy. And I, I love any moment we can get with where Bucky is happy just because he just is had the worst life ever, or one of the worst lives. But uh, and and we're missing some cutaways as I, I have this playing in the background. But uh, at, before those things happen, we cut to uh, our good friend John Walker going over to Lamar's house to tell his family that he killed the killer. And uh, yeah, that's a is a tough scene to watch, honestly. Like, it, and it goes back to what we were just talking about, Maya, where you, you see those scenes of the the good masculinity and you're like finally like oh you just get that good feeling but then you watch this scene and you're like come on like dude you're lying like stop lying this is wrong and ah uh, it just was so frustrating alex am i able to cuss on your podcast uh yeah go for it i mean i have yeah robert has for sure and we'll, we'll say this is a language trigger warning for anyone out there who's afraid of it maya go ahead and drop it yeah a big fuck john walker in this scene <laughs> I just didn't know, like, that just showed how diabolical this man is. He looked in the, like, faces of Lamar's mother and father and sister and lied and said that the guy that he killed was Lamar's killer. That was not true. And it's just, like, he's he's going to different means. Like, he's completely losing all of his dignity to try to keep up with this idea or to... Like, the idea of who he is in his head. And I was just so hurt by that. Mm-hmm. Just horrible. They're like, you know, he would follow you. Like, you know, he was so great to be by your side. And, and this is how you're showing up? Really? You're a coward. And it just shows that. It just shows that I'm, I'm well, it shows that I'm ready for this guy to just be gone somewhere. <laughs> like, right. 
to be taken care of in a way or either redemption or get him out of my face because I was so hurt. But I mean, obviously it's great acting and yeah. good storytelling, but sheesh, that was hard to watch. I kind of thought that he, he was, cause he says it in such a way. Cause they're like, did, you know, did basically like, did you kill the guy that killed him? And he says, yeah, like, yeah, of course I did. Uh, he says, I would never, I would never let the person who killed your son run free or something like that is kind of the way that he says it. He makes this whole thing where he says something like that. And we all know, right, he hasn't done that. But I almost wonder if he's kind of hinting at with the, the mid credit scene of him building his shield. He just got called by this person. I wonder if that's him in his mental state reasoning with him saying, yes, I did kill. I am going to kill Carly. Like I am going to avenge his death. But I'm going to skip you the trouble of having to come visit you again and tell you that by just saying, yeah, I killed him. So I, I got that piece. But, yeah, it, I, I got very upset because I'm like, dude, no, you didn't. Like you are literally he's basically just uh, manipulating his words to because like for them, it makes sense. But to him, he knows he's lying, even if he tries to sugarcoat it or whatever to say that, oh, I'm going to go kill them anyway. But. I don't know. That's kind. Of, that's kind of how I thought it, but I totally agree. Yeah, I, I thought about that too. Not to skip ahead to the mid credit scene when he's building that damn Harbor Freight shield, but you right. know, yeah. he uh, <laughs> he's freaking he he's he's atoning in his own kind of way, you know, because he he did he didn't do it, so he he's like feeling guilty about like he did not avenge his best friend's killer. Yeah. So he he's he's lying, like you said. He's he's getting it out of the way, but now he's like having that slow walk back and he sees the poster of himself like yeah i gotta do something about this like i'm gonna make this right and that's what he thinks in his own mind like even though yeah it was diabolical and it, it's 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 shitty because you know people get those kind of you know visits all the time like in the military when they're when their loved ones are you know killed and you're going at you have to inform the family and stuff and he's basically lying you know so I wonder if that's a parallel to uh, to the same thing Isaiah is talking about, right? For the you know they lied to his wife too to say that he was dead. So like mm. there's just there's a lot of lying from the military going on. But I wonder, and maybe I guess that'll be a quick thing. And just do you think? It, I guess one, do you think Carly will die in this last episode? And two, who do you think would kill Carly? Because I, I wonder if if John Walker kills Carly. Uh, I feel like that would be a sort of ribbon on him for the series to set him up for being a more normal character in a sense. Because if he if he kills Carly at that point, he's good. And obviously, not not good isn't a good guy. I'm saying like he's the slate is clean for him. Like he killed the person who killed Lamar. He shouldn't be killing anyone else at that point. So foreseeably, he would be good to go. But. Mm -hmm. It, but at the same time, is is that good enough of a story to have him be the person that kills Carly? Because you you would even be opening up an interesting can of worms of now John Walker has killed two people. How many more people is he going to kill sort of thing? So I, I don't know. I, I would just be curious if, if you guys think that. I, I don't know about him killing Carly, but I don't think he's going to be set straight because now. Oh, yeah, no, no. You're, 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 you know, you're dishonored and you're, you're all this stuff. And now, you know, Sam takes the shield. So he's going to have beef with sam still so like you guys are talking about the toxic masculinity and stuff like you know you, you're going to be salty that somebody else took the mantle that you were appointed you didn't earn you were appointed to shield you know and now now it's it, it was taken away and now somebody else has got it so that that's i think what's going to be his deal he's not going to be like totally at peace or whatever you want to call it <laughs> 
I, I need yeah. a scene where uh, uh, Captain America and John Walker are on opposite sides out on that street. And uh, Sam throws his shield and John throws his build a shield and they just <laughs> they just connect and it just shatters his shield and then knocks him in the head and knocks him out. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I mean, honestly, I know this is probably not what you're getting. I just hope that Carly isn't dead by the end yeah. of the series. Yeah. He's getting yeah, no, I don't think she's going to die. I just it'd be. Yeah. An interesting. If so. I could see him obviously trying to attempt to being on his own little solo mission with his little solo builder, you know, like you said. <laughs> uh, it's like, you know, the costumes, people in costumes in Times Square that are just oh, like, yeah. make it better. Yeah, you know, forget, turn forget cosplay shield. They always wanted on the video, on the promo videos in the 30s. Like, <laughs> that's a great shield, one. John, looking strong. <laughs> strong shield there, buddy. But And, and we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it, because I was going to say, I wanted to dive into what, that metal is that he solders onto the uh, onto the shield. I don't like it. Was that uh, was that, that was Lamar's metal? Was that his metal of honor? Metal of honor or is that Lamar's? His metal of medals of honor. I, mm. I have to I have to look at it again, but I think those are his medals. Okay, okay. I mean, I believe I believe it. I just what does that tell you? Because I don't think that's a comic book thing that he like puts his metal on his shield. But is that him essentially arguing that? Like he's, that's he's what worthy. makes Captain America is that I've got these medals of honor. That's that that's him, I guess, trying to prove his worth by putting some actual something that's uh, you know, worth worth something on, on a harbor freight shield. So I, I don't know. Right. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so from there the and again we we've been jumping around, but now we got to the uh the conversation between Sam and Bucky. And uh, I loved that whole piece, too. I, I loved them playing catch with the shield. I thought it was great. It felt very, again, best friend for sure. Uh, and I, I just it loved it. It was just so casual. Like, just toss the shield, bounces a couple times, the other guy catches it. I would love to do that. I would love to do that in this fantasy world. But we get a great counseling session, too, between Sam and Bucky. What you guys yeah. uh, think of that? That was amazing. And... Because I, I, I always felt like there was more, like, after they got past, like, the whatever issues they had, like, Sam really could have helped Bucky. And I always wondered, like, in terms of coping, him working with veterans, like, beforehand, like, why we never saw that. Um, but just being able to help him, like, unpack, like, the reason why he was having those nightmares and just helping him, knowing it's not about making him himself feel better it's about making the other like the other people feel better that you've wronged and then the the like the line that like what steve thought didn't matter like i forget exactly what the line was like it doesn't matter how steve felt about you um and like not centering everything on steve's perspective of him so i it just like a message that you can tell he needed and he called like sam called it tough love but that just like two minute scene probably did so much for Bucky. And I just like knowing that they're going to still grow in their friendship is just going to just help him more and more with his issues. Yep. Yeah. And he says, uh, he says, he says, it doesn't, it, this may come as a shock to you, but it doesn't matter what Steve thought is, mm -hmm. is kind of the way that he says it. And then he, um, Man, the, the look, and it's so funny. I, I think it's hilarious, actually, because I don't remember who it was. If It, it might have been David. Someone shared about, about Sebastian Stan. Do you remember that? When they were, like, talking about uh, – 
that he was like just a pothead in college and was like just this wild guy. Like, or, or he was, what was it? It was like, he was super chill. He was always high. And oh yeah, we were like, oh yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So now whenever I see him, that's all I think. And I think, dang, he's a really good actor that he's just like, he can walk into the scene and give this super serious, you know, whatever stare that he has. Cause he says that and, and he kind of like nods and looks off in the distance and you're looking at him kind of, processing all of this as it goes mm -hmm. through and you're totally right like it's like S sam's words are magic like you, you get five if you could get five minutes with him like take it because anything that he says to you is going to change your life and it just it, it starts making him realize that and i love that line too maya where he says you need to serve others because i think that really goes back to your whole community is currency thing because it's like sam is and then well that is captain america captain america is for the people just like, I mean, all of the, the whole point of government, the whole point of everything is by the people and for the people. And the problem is those people then get involved in the government and they make it about them. But so him, him already understanding that. And we see that in this episode of like, let me call upon the community so that they can help us. But he knows in return that I will be serving the community by doing that. I mean, it's the same with like police officers. They're taking this oath to protect the community it's it's all about serving others it's not about yourself that's like that's the secret sauce of becoming captain america it's not about you mm -hmm. you guys think like in, in your own head canon like you know steve might have thought this because that's one of the things that attracted him to uh sam in the first place he was a grief counselor and if he's not going to be around you know and that's his best bucky's his best friend from back in the day and he's still leaving him with all this trauma and everything so i think maybe Steve was like oh. confident or, or, you know, comforted by the fact that he's leaving him with Sam and mm -hmm. Sam is this dude like Maya saying he could, he, you know, he, he's great at getting to the root of problems and he's, you know, he, like he's, he's used to dealing with that kind of stuff, used to talking, talking to people and, and helping them deal with, with trauma. So I think mm -hmm. maybe in my own head, Ken, I would like to think that Steve thought about this before he left and, and, you know, kind of put these two together on a path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I like that. And I would believe it if they had a scene for it. To me, I think Steve is just the kind of person that attracts those types of people. Like, I don't think that he knows. I mean, when you think back to it, his first interaction with Sam is just that they were both running on the mall. Like they, you know, he wasn't planning to look for Sam. And then, you know, Sam's kind of the one who instigated the conversation by saying like, oh, stop it. Stop saying on your left. But I bet you, you know, within five minutes, he was probably like, this guy is a good guy. Like, this guy right. is my kind of guy. But he certainly wasn't looking for it. It's just that, I mean, and you see it, Captain America or Steve Rogers, he has this way of making, and they talk about it in some of the movies of like, when you're around him, you just are a better person. Like, you want to be a better person. And so for someone like Sam to when, when they're around him, he's just being himself. And he's already that kind of person. I think it just was, it made total sense for Steve. He's like, this is a nail on the head. I, I would love to give him all of that credit, but I'm sure if they did have a scene, he'd be like, oh yeah, I had no idea. Like I, I uh, he always, he seems like the kind of old man that would have been like, oh, I didn't think about that. That's a good point. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> How did you not know? Oh, and then he talks about, he says his, the, the golden line, which I love this part. He says, um, basically like, if you want to heal, if you want to move forward, you got to put in the work. And when he says, he says, you got to do the work, you got to do it. And then he says, I bet you got one person in that notebook who needs closure and you're the only person that can give it to him, 
which is so perfect because if you guys remember in the first episode, like I laughed at that line because I was like, oh, that's totally the guy in the first episode. Like that's mm-hmm. right in your face. But uh, but he, he's like, yeah, I probably have like 12 people in there. And he says, good. All right. Just start with one. And again, you're getting these Captain America quotes from Sam before he is even put on the shield and or put on the suit. It's just and then he follows through with it. He says, you got to do the work. And then the next scene we see is the badass training montage of him just busting his ass to, I guess. I mean, I, I'm, I'd be curious at your guys' thoughts on this. So I I loved the scene as a scene like I, I'll, I'll always watch a training montage scene. But why? Why did he feel like he needed to do that? Because he was all right. I mean, he's already got training. He's already got his stuff. Obviously, he needs to do the shield. Sure. But. Like Robert was saying, he's starting to do all these like flips and turns, and he's doing. We're, we're getting to see him run and do push-ups. Like, was there a deeper purpose to this? Because I, you know, I wonder. I saw an article that brought up an interesting point of, of it said, you know, in the business world or in whatever kind of job setting it is, a black man is going to work five times harder for that job, even if they they deserve the job. They they will all like they'll always have to work harder than that other person because of the the roadblocks they've got. Is that what this is or is there am I missing something? Uh well, I I can tell you from personal experience it is tougher. And Maya, you could probably attest to it. Like you have you have to be on your A game. And mm-hmm. anything you do as a person of color, as a black person, you have to be on your A game because you don't want anybody to freaking you know find any stupid reason to 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 doubt you or or mm-hmm. or you know let you go or or you know you, you there there's there's you have a shorter leash and that's that's how i approach my life period because i could see guys in my job even when i was in the military and there's guys that have this false sense of entitlement that think they can get away with all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. and, and 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 being being a black person yeah you have you have to work harder you have to like you have to, you have to be on your A game because nobody's gonna give you that chance. Like you have you mm-hmm. have to you have to go out there and get it yourself. And like uh, yeah, that montage is kind of like that. He's he's prepping just like anybody else. You have you have to put in the work. Like he tells Bucky, you got to put in the work because you don't want nobody coming after you. Like you got you've got to prove yourself that much more because yeah. you know like what one one step here, one step there, somebody's gunning for you because of who you are, because of what you look like, because there's that there's that false hierarchy or or you know whatever people think that they're above you or they're like you shouldn't be here like yeah. you don't belong here and you have to freaking prove it every day you have to bring it and it's kind of unfair but that's just the way it is yeah like i wholeheartedly agree with that like he definitely is already trained but like just to feeling like he has to push himself um even more you know to prepare for a role um, but yeah, I, I pretty pretty much agree with what both of y'all were saying. Okay, and I, I, I apologize too, as as it's playing in between that. So between the Bucky conversation and him training is when we get the conversation between him and his sister on the boat. And uh, I, I love that too, just because it's like you know he's literally inches away from wiping out the legacy by painting over their name on the boat, and she's like, no, 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 you gotta like we gotta stop. And then they have that great conversation on the pier. And he talks about that whole that whole piece of, you know, I, it felt like I was running away or maybe you thought that I was running away. And she says, no, I didn't think you were running away, which was was great. But I, I 
I, I've liked his sister throughout the show, and I only think she's been in a couple episodes, but I think in the first episode, there were just a couple bits in terms of her acting that I wasn't a huge fan of. This scene sealed it for me, though. She does such an amazing job in this scene. And uh, when she says, uh, and I'm, I'm, I might even need to just turn on the subtitles, because whatever it is that she tells him at the end, I just was, I got goosebumps when she said. Uh, but she says, uh, Oh, yeah, she's just talking about Isaiah. Like, oh, you know, you're letting Isaiah get to your head, which I love that, too, because it's like she can tell. She knows. She knows that he's been. Uh, but he says, what would be the point of all that pain and sacrifice if I wasn't willing to stand up and keep fighting? And so now we get the Captain America answer, Robert, of what happens when you get punched in the mouth. You get back mm-hmm. up and you keep fighting. And then we get yeah. the training montage. <laughs> and, uh, oh, man. So, OK, just as a, a point of fandom. Why is he doing all these flips? Like, he he can just throw that shield and catch it. That's fine. But he has to do, like, 17 flips before he catches it. Is that part of a, a training regimen? Or is that him just trying to... Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I was like, when would you ever do that in battle? I guess maybe if you're running and you're throwing the shield. Um, I mean, have we seen Hawkeye do a few flips? I feel like... It- I don't know. I guess it's different too. You know, it's I, I like that than him. You know, just throwing air punches like he's creating yeah. something, trying to prepare or something. Um, so I don't know, but I, I appreciate it. Yeah, and it ends with that great shot of his nephew touching the shield and like running his hand over the star, which I thought was super cool. Just the. Yeah, that whole the whole there's so much legacy in the show that is so uh, organically built throughout the episodes. Like we don't know these kids except for a few episodes, but you're already like, wow! Like look at the way that they're, you know, reacting to this. It's just cra- it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so from there, then we we uh, we get Car- Carly's meeting with Batrock, whom we just talked about earlier. That Sharon calls. And she makes an interesting comment on the call. She says, I need you to do a job for me again. Or she says, it's not going to be the same as last time. And we obviously know what last time was, which was him kidnapping that uh, that uh, military guy or people. I think there was multiple people. But that means that Sharon called and had him do that. So do we know that – Does Bucky clearly doesn't know that. But at the same time, we now get Batrock coming here, and his plan is to kill the Falcon. Mm-hmm. And – so does Sharon know that too? That she basically asked this guy to do that, even though he wants to kill uh, kill Sam. Yeah, that's, and I I'm just now like realizing my last watch. I'm like, oh wow, like yeah, this is really confusing. What like what is Sharon's hand in all of this? Um, I don't. I guess we'll see. Um, you know, she's operating in a very gray area, so. I, I highly doubt that she's actually okay with that. Like, I don't want, I don't think she wishes that on Sam at all. Like, oh, you know, he doesn't like, like him what? and Bucky don't mean anything to her. Um, but I mean, I think maybe she will step in and help in some capacity, like she's always been. So I guess it's one of those we'll wait and see type scenarios because it is kind of confusing that she's kind of like helping both sides at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll clear up in the next episode, though. There's, there's, there's got to be. I mean, even, even with, uh, I, I we had talked about this earlier too, Maya, uh, about Monica in the last episode of WandaVision. 
I, mm-hmm. I personally didn't think I got what I wanted from her in the last episode. Like it made sense and I wasn't mad about it, but I was really hoping for some bigger thing. But I, I think part of that is because of that whole buildup piece. So I, I think they will address it. It may not be exactly what we want, but I'm sure we will see something with with Sharon and hopefully with with Julia, with the Contessa as well. That would be nice. Um, so we see yeah. the uh, and she does this. Act, Carly does that activation on her phone and all of the people, uh, I guess, just say totally. I'm in. We're doing this now. I don't think they're brainwashed, but I don't know. Sometimes when I'm on my phone too long, I feel like I'm brainwashed. And so I guess when they got the trigger words or whatever, they're just all stand up and walk around her to go fight. Mm-hmm. The GRC who just had and I actually kind of got scared at this scene it spooked me the first time because we get that wide shot and it's in New York City and I was like holy cow like this is almost it's the first time we've been in New York really in the show obviously we were in the first episode but in terms of it being we know a battle is coming and so we're getting another New York battle which is kind of crazy we haven't seen one since uh, Infinity War yeah and and this scene has just made me think, like, in terms of, like, what a wrap-up looks like for Carly and the, like, Flag Smashers. Mm-hmm. Granted, like, we're talking about, like, what happens, with, what they actually end up doing. But I think they have so many people on their side. There's so many people who empathize with the cause. Granted, Carly is basically taking more radical forms to keep things going, like, um, like working with criminals and things like that. But I feel like a great way is for, like, when Sam steps into like position of power, like being able to to find justice for all these people, we saw how many people just got up in the middle of Central Park or whatever park it was to you know be of service. And like there was like a quote in the that said she has people all over the world, like you know basically on standby. Yeah. So I feel like there needs to be some sort of just systemic like policy, like getting that like resolution to like not like kick all these refugees out or like how they're handling it going about a different way and maybe carly's able to that's how she can kind of have more of a redemption arc is to be able to step in a position to fight for causes for people in a a better way rather than her just getting killed her just being you know removed from that position but we'll we'll see how it all happens yeah I just I just think about like what you, what you're saying. I just think about the first episode when he's talking to Rhodey, and Rhodey's like, you know, the world the world is 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 messed up right now, and they need something to get behind. And mm-hmm. Sam is that dude. So yep. yeah, yeah. And so the uh, the final scene is the GRC meeting, and there it felt a lot like the World Security Council type of meeting. Uh, it also reminded me a little bit of like Doctor Strange Love, but and I've got the subtitles on. I paused it. The first thing they say is. The right people will get behind this. They always do, is what he says. And I'm just like, God, that's just such slimy government talk. And then the lady says, you have to consider the optics. And he says, no, the optics are whatever we show them. People have to believe in what we're doing to support us. Uh, do we even need to bother with a vote? And they're because there's troops already in place because they're planning on uh, getting all of the people and deporting them, basically, is what it sounds like. And well, yeah, and the lady says we're not running, rounding them up like cattle and we still don't have sufficient resources. So he clearly has a, a, an agenda, this guy, but he's essentially the stand in for the GRC, in my opinion. Like he's the he is the GRC. They don't care. They don't care about the people. They, they were only nice while the blip was going on or when the snap happened. <clears throat> but they that, that's the end. Everything gets kind of trapped in there. We get the red lights. All the power goes out. 
And then Sam finally opens up his box. Uh, I, I, I guess I'll give him props that he didn't earlier, but I tell you, if Bucky had given me that box, I would have opened it up on the back of the truck. I would not have waited this long. I mean, even if it was a peak, I would have just been like, oh, hell yeah, thanks, man. I'll open it when I'm ready. But that looks really good. Like, what if it's not his size? He, I'm sure they've got the measurements. I'm sure AO knows what she's doing, or IO knows what she's doing. Or Shuri, or whoever the hell it was. Oh, maybe. yeah, if it's Shuri, yeah, for yeah, sure. Sure. Or I'm like, just imagine him opening up the box and it's like a welcome message from like Shuri. Like, I know. Like, so, I'm like, like, I feel oh, like they uh, they missed an opportunity in there, in my opinion, because we like, like I said, we all we haven't seen is the costume. Like, he completely opens up the box, so we know there's no hologram message. There's no other. It's just what does the costume look like? So we're not going to get like, to see it until he wears it because they're not like going to open up what. It's like some Pulp Fiction stuff. Like he yes, yes, exactly. Like <laughs> <Pulp Fiction. laughs> right. Yeah, and then, the, of course, the episode ends, and I know we all screamed when that happened because it was like, you've got to be kidding me. And then we get the great Iron Man scene at the end of John Walker making his Harbor Freight uh, shield, which uh, was uh, cool, I guess. I mean, the filming of it was strange because they show him, like, hammering a piece of it, and then yeah. the next scene, it's all completely soldered together, but then the next scene is him spraying one of the pieces red. So is he making multiple shields? I have no idea. Yeah, and at first I'm like, they're just really going there to 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 really like make this guy be insane. <laughs> oh, but yeah. I think it's very symbolic that he's like you know using his medals of honor. But yeah, he's like truly trying to. This idea that he's a byproduct of the government, like he can't get away from it. Yeah. So he's trying to kind of carve his own like little story out there. But I I remember like watching because like I w- I didn't even know there was a post credit scene. I paused and you're like, oh, it's a post credit scene. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> like, they seem so looking, badass. I'm looking at it now. That they are he are he is putting his medals of honor on the shield. Okay. It's kind of mm-hmm. like kind of like like. He, he reminds me of those people that 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 raided the Capitol. He's take he's trying to like take shit into his own hands. Like yeah, yeah. He, he's like a he's a fanatic now. He's crazy. So. Right. So there was an article that was on Marvel.com, and it was a uh, and I didn't watch the actual video, but I guess they did a Skype video or whatever with a bunch of the people from the show. So like I think Emily Van Camp was there, uh, Anthony Mackie, and then Malcolm Spellman was there as the um, the showrunner. And he was it was either him or Kerry Scoglin. One of them was explaining that the and it was it was based off of the prior episode. So of him killing the guy. And he said something about, you know, people people have complained about that, that like he went too far and, and whatnot. And the way that he explained it, and I thought it was amazing. He said he said that's what would happen. He said the show, he said, we're trying not to pull punches we want to show what would happen in these instances because a lot of this happens in real life and we don't want to have it be like sugar-coated. And so the way that he said it, and I'll, I'll try and find the exact words because I thought it was very indicative of what we could maybe see in uh, this last episode, but he essentially said like the reason we did that is because it made sense to do it. Like that was the logical next step for him. So I think you could almost take that and sort of extrapolate out this this idea of like, well, what will happen next to him? What would ha- What would happen next to someone who's gone crazy? Like that, 
they're going to show it. Like they're not going to do some weird out of left field sort of thing. Like they just do a really good job of fall here. It is virtual launch event. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I just thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. It's almost like I, cause you know, I already can tell like people are going to be like, wow, they just wrote the story of Isaiah Bradley just to, you know, they're just doing this. It takes away from Steve's legacy. Real, not realizing that he's a part of the comics, and two, not really realizing there's historical events um, that outline the same exact experience that Isaiah had um, in real life. So I almost wish that like Marvel could get out a fact sheet, like here's a little history lesson, you know, right? Sponsored and by the Falcon the Winter Soldier. It, uh, like, so it's actually it. Nate Moore. It was Nate Moore who said this, and I'll I'll say the quote. So this is he said. Uh, um, Throughout the, so it says, throughout the series so far, the show has been exploring what the shield means as a symbol. However, at the end of episode four, John Walker executes a flag smasher with the shield. So he says, Steve Rogers, to some degree, was the ideal, not of America, but of doing the right thing and always having the best intentions. As soon as you put blood on the idea of something, I think that's pretty powerful. Everybody in the show is struggling with the ideal because the ideal is not the reality anymore. For Sam, for Bucky, for John Walker, for Carly, for Sharon, everybody. And, and again, so I, maybe that's because Emily Van Camp was in this call, but I was like, for Sharon, <laughs> we've barely seen her. Uh, but he says, everybody is trying to reconcile the notion of the ideal with reality. And the reality is, again, as soon as you put blood on that shield, you see it in the fans reaction. There's a visceral, you can't do that. You can't collide the ideal with reality because they're incongruent. There's a dissonance there. In terms of the blood, it's, again, the reality. Sometimes people need to see the blood for it to get real. Many people have already known that that was a factor, but some people are oblivious until it can't be oblivious anymore. So I, I think that's just a great call out. Like you said, there's so many moments in the show where they could have just skipped over this piece like so many other shows have but they're really trying to put the work in of diving into what the history is diving into what the legacy actually means in terms of a, a modern day america as opposed to again like a show like this 10 years ago would not have been about this they would have they would have glazed over so many pieces of this show so just really cool of them to be able to do that mm -hmm. uh any final thoughts from the two of you before we wrap this up I think that um, this episode was definitely my favorite um, out of the whole series, probably out of all the Marvel Disney Plus series so far. Um, I just really enjoyed it. I, it makes me so excited for the finale because there's so much opportunity um, to give us kind of more of that hope um, and like progress on, you know, Sam taking on the shield. So I'm really excited. I'm, they, they've built this up to be just amazing and so representative and like a great message for um, like representation and inclusion in general um, without like taking any shortcuts. So I'm really excited. I love this episode and it was great to be able to watch it with y'all. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, just echo everything. Echo everything just made my, my just said, uh, yeah. yeah. The, the show doesn't pull any punches. And and I appreciate that as far as being you know a black man and and a and a military veteran, on top of that. So yeah, th this is my favorite series so far, and this this episode was the best. So mm -hmm. you know no 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 disrespect to Wandavision, I love that show, but this this show is it for me. Mm 
Yeah. Yeah, they're just and they're it's it's funny they're they're so different from each other. Like you you almost can't really compare them. Like WandaVision was such an awesome show, but it's dealing with something completely different than this. And you like it's impossible to look at. But yeah, I, and we talked about that too. I think context wise, this show is better. It's dealing with a lot a lot bigger of an issue, whereas WandaVision's was a very a very self contained about one person's grief, versus this being about a giant systemic issue around the entire world the way that they're they're talking about it so really well said and guys thank you both so much for taking the time to talk about this i i uh i'm just really happy to have you both on here obviously this is a, a treat for me and, and a gift so thank you all right you go, you again? <laughs> what was that you got nighthawk it again for the last one i am uh yes yeah, uh, yes i am oh, I, already, for sure. I already looked at, at my calendars i'm 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 good to go i can i can stay up late i asked my mom and she said yes <laughs> <laughs> guys for those of you that don't know i i am not a night owl uh well i guess i am i, I stay up late pretty much every night but uh, yeah so not not super late but yeah i was i have not watched any of these episodes when they initially came out, I usually watch them later. Uh, I can't, I can't stay up till. For me, it's only one a.m. But uh, again, kudos to Maya and Robert because they're staying up for, at two and three a.m. So uh, I've, I had to start stepping it up, just like Sam said. When you fall down, you got to get back up. And so this is me doing it. So yes, yeah, I will nighthawk that last episode for sure. I have to after this episode. So uh, from all of us here at Comics and Cinema, thank you guys so much again for joining me, and uh, thank you for listening. So we will see you guys next week for the season or series finale. Thank you.